A new era is unraveling before us, and Tangent is back with a new limited series in collaboration with NYU Shack Institute of Real Estate. Tangent unites real estate lovers, technology adopters, and passionate creators in an effort to improve our cities and our built environment. Join us every month to learn how PropTech innovators, academic experts, and real estate leaders are solving our present-day challenges. If you're working on a PropTech solution, a nonprofit, or a small business that make our cities better and would like your mission featured on our features segment, feel free to email us at tangentcommunity at gmail.com. And remember, stay curious and always be learning. Hi, welcome to Tangent. I'm Edward Cohen. And I'm Shami Weisman. Today on Tangent, we have the opportunity to speak with and learn from Michael Rudin, Executive Vice President of Rudin Management, one of the largest privately owned real estate companies in New York City, with a fascinating family of business history dating back to 1925. Michael oversees new developments, capital markets, commercial leasing, sustainability, and technology. Michael represents the fourth generation to work at the family's company. Hi, Michael. Where does this podcast find you? Uh, good morning, Edward and Shami, and thank you for having me. Uh, I am currently in uh, New York City. Oh, but I thought uh, New York City was finished. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld was right at the end. Definitely, uh, definitely not finished, and uh, you know, back and uh, uh, and getting better than ever. And uh, the city is really turned a corner, really at the beginning of the summer, and uh, you know, had a little setback towards the end of the summer. But, you know, if you look across really all segments of, of our industry, um, it's, it's proving that uh, people want to be back in New York City, not only to, to live, but to also work. So that's, you know, very exciting. Absolutely. Do not bet against New York and more importantly, New Yorkers. Exactly. Great. Let's just ri jump right into it. Um, so we hear a lot about the workplace evolving and you being involved in uh, commercial real estate. For most of us, the workplace used to be an office with little more than a water cooler and conference rooms. Um, Rudin Management recently transformed Three Times Square, an iconic building right on the Times Square business hub. And you've also helped create Dock 72 down at the Brooklyn Navy Yard. So tell us, Michael, how is office management, leasing and operations uh, as a whole evolving in today's environment? Well, you know the office market is is constantly evolving, obviously, and and you know there's there's obviously the things that were ongoing before COVID, and now things that are be, being done, you know, sort of in response to COVID. Um, we had a, a couple of projects sort of in the pipeline uh, prior to COVID, um, in, in one a new development, Doc Seventy Two, uh, that you mentioned, uh, a ground up office building, uh, in the in the Brooklyn Navy Yard that we opened in October of two thousand nineteen. Uh, and then two other projects, um, Three Times Square, which you mentioned, and, and 80 Pine Street uh, down in the financial district. And, and those two, two buildings uh, were pretty much full building repositionings. Three Times Square is about a 900,000 square foot building uh, that we built uh, in the late 1990s. Uh, so relatively new, uh, you know, 20, just, just about 20 years old. It opened in 2001. And, you know, even... Even with the relative, you know, sort of new age of, of of that building, you know, after 20 years, you know, we realized it was time to, you know, to reinvest in it, uh, which is a common theme that we do across our portfolio on a on a constant basis. Uh, but with Three Times Square, uh, you know, it was really 
you know, looking at the, the, the lobby of the building, you know, it's on 42nd uh, and 7th Avenue, right in the heart of Times Square, obviously a very busy and uh, bustling part of New York City. Uh, and we really wanted to, you know, reimagine uh, the lobby of that building and give uh, the, the tenants who are staying and the future tenants who, who will be coming to the building, you know, a, a place to step off of the street and to step away from the hustle and bustle of Times Square and, and sort of like an oasis uh, and a, a kind of a tranquil setting. So, you know, we're, we're redesigning the lobby uh, with FX Collaborative, uh, who is the original architect uh, for the building 20 years ago. Uh, and then we're repurposing uh, one of the uh, or the crossover floor uh, in the building, uh, which was formerly occupied by the anchor tenant of the building uh, and had uh, a cafeteria and, and amenity space, which was accessible to the entire building, uh, but was predominantly used by that that anchor tenant. And we're taking that over, uh, growing it, expanding it, adding more than just the food and beverage offering. Uh, adding a conference and event facility, uh, a small wellness facility. Um, and similarly at 80 Pine Street, uh, a building that was built by my family uh, and opened in 1960, uh, so it was now 60 years old. And again, we have prior to COVID, we knew uh, our two main tenants were, were leaving the building or would be leaving the building this year, 2021 and 2022. Uh, obviously, not ideal timing once you know once covid uh happened but um we were you know already you know sort of on our way and and working on the repositioning of that asset and it's a lot of the same you know the same things that we're doing at, at three times square a new lobby new elevator cabs an amenity floor uh brand new store fronts and 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 glass and entrances um and there wasn't really much of a dynamic or relationship between the tenant and the owner operator landlord other than that and it started to shift you know i think with the tech companies around 10 years ago you know starting to offer amenities to their employees and a lot of other companies you know and, and employees in the you know in the in the workforce uh you know started to catch wind of that and were starting to say hey wait a minute you know these guys are doing it for their employees we need to be doing it for our employees as well to you know attract and retain talent um, and to, you know, keep our employees happy and efficient uh, and healthy. And, you know, all of those things are really, really important. And so that's, you know, a huge, you know, been a huge shift in, in the office market over the last, you know, five or 10 years. No, I think fascinating what you guys are doing. And definitely it's not timing the market because you cannot, you know, calculate when COVID's going to hit or when leases are up and, the, you know, tenants decide to down, downsize. But by hearing you describe these upgrades, uh, in your assets, uh, it does give a sense of a human-centric, you know, building design that really delivers a, a workplace that responds directly to the needs of today's uh, employees and most forward-thinking companies. One hundred percent. It's really more about the individual employees than the individual tenants, right? The it's gone from a focus on the corporations to a focus on the employees of those corporations. And that's important for those companies, right? They wanna make their employees happy. And it's important for us as the building owners, we wanna make, you know, make them happy and, and, and you know, want them to, to, to feel comfortable and safe uh, in our buildings as well. Michael, I, I totally share that with you. Actually, when I, when I was working at LNL Holding and focused on 425 Park 
uh, and especially the the amenities in the building that is something that was definitely very front of mind uh, both on the development side and the leasing uh, what I'm curious about is if you have any thoughts about how do you go about assessing what is a must versus what is nice to have and what is a good investment versus what ends up eating into your profits yeah it's you know there's i wish there was a one size fits all answer for that question uh but the fact of the matter is that you know every building is different and you know looking at just size alone right you know the the, the two buildings i mentioned you know that, that that we're repositioning are close to if not more than a million square feet right we have we also have buildings in our portfolio that are 250 or 300,000 square feet and you know the tenant makeup is different in those buildings um, and the, you know, the, the space or the size, uh, that you can allocate or dedicate to amenities is, is different in, in those buildings. And so, you know, you have to look at, it has to be sort of a comprehensive, uh, you know, assessment of, you know, who you're trying to attract or, or who exists in the building today, who you're trying to attract, uh, tomorrow, what sort of what is the makeup or, or demographic of your tenants? What's around you in the neighborhood, right? If you have, you know, a lot of bigger buildings are putting wellness and, and fitness facilities in their buildings, you know, but a smaller building, you know, you may it might not be the you know the best use of space, right? So you know maybe you look around and you see okay, there's a handful of gyms in the neighborhood. Okay, we don't need to necessarily worry about health and wellness, or maybe it's a much smaller you know sort of multi-purpose room. Uh, as opposed to a full-blown gym, you know, I think I think there's a big uh, demand and focus on uh, in-building food and beverage, both for convenience, but is also for servicing, you know, th- those corporations and those companies within the building uh, for meetings and and also sort of, you know, I think you know shared. Uh, shared event or conference facilities seem to be, you know, really well utilized as well right now. And again, you know, it just, there's, there's no one size fits all answer. Um, and you just have to do an assessment of, you know, what's, what's in the area and what's, you know, what, what fits for your building. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you, you hinted at this, but it's not only the size of the asset and who you're trying to uh, lease it to, or who, you go, who is going to be collaborating within your building but also the context, the, the location in which the building is in. I mean, uh, when you talk about creating a, an oasis in the middle of, uh, you know, it's not the hustling, bustling area of New York City, Times Square. It's the hustling, bustling area of the world. Yeah. Uh, so so that oasis has even more significance there, whereas in uh, Dock 72, uh, which I encourage anyone around the Brooklyn Navy Yard to visit, uh, is, you know, you have these stunning views, a brand new... Uh, a ferry stop, so it's a completely different atmosphere uh, that that you really need to to consider when when uh, planning and redeveloping or, or developing these new assets. One hundred percent, and and you know those are that's you know the things I just mentioned. You know, is really more on the physical uh, amenity side, and then there's I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit is you know the technology side of things. More and more people in our cities are becoming renters instead of homeowners, either by choice or by force. 
finding themselves being rent burdened. That means we need more housing, but also better technology to help alleviate the financial burden on the renter community. Are you a renter who's tired of not getting credit for your rent payments? A new PropTech app called Boom helps renters improve your credit and split up your rent into smaller installments. Boom helps you build credit by reporting rent payments to all three major credit bureaus for as little as $2 a month. And don't worry, Boom works for renters even if your landlord isn't signed up to Boom. To sign up today, go to boompay.app. That's B-O-O-M-P-A-Y dot A-P-P. Now, if you're a real estate owner or property manager who wants to offer Boom as part of your tenant amenities and improve on-time payments, go to boompay.app. That's B-O-O-M-P-A-Y dot A-P-P. Michael, so you also lead the efforts uh, for Root Ventures, the firm's uh, alternative investment plat- investing platform focusing on PropTech. So where do you see the most opportunity within PropTech to make an impact in our, in our built environment? Well, you know, I think, I think the two, you know, sort of, there's a lot. Uh, th- that's the, the short answer. Um, the, the, the longer answer <laughs> is, you know, I think the two areas that we're really focusing on, you know, one, one is around, again, that tenant connection and tenant relationship. And that's, you know, around things like a tenant app or, or tenant experience platform, you know, and, and that, you know, the, those platforms can offer a, a multitude of different features. Uh, from access control and visitor management to events uh, programming and, uh, you know, community to food ordering and engagement with either in-building or surrounding neighborhood, you know, retailers, uh, amenity activation in certain ways. And then, you know, sort of the more day-to-day mundane stuff like, you know, work orders. and, And then, you know, a newer sort of feature or function is around building wellness, uh, so to speak, uh, indoor air quality, uh, measures like that, that have become more front of mind, uh, over the past 18 months, you know, really with, with COVID, um, you know, certainly was, was out there pre COVID, uh, indoor air quality and, uh, CO2 levels. But, uh, I think there's become an even greater focus. Uh, and I think rightfully so, um, with, you know, over the last 18 months with, with COVID. And, and that kind of segues into, you know, understanding, you know, the health of a building, uh, you know, ties directly into, uh, you know, the energy and the operations of a building uh, and looking at technology from an operational perspective. And that's, I think, the other, you know, really key focus or, or, or you know, big bucket for us to look at and, and the whole industry to look at um, which is sustainability and operations of, of real estate um, uh, from a technology perspective. Um, so, you know, again, that was out there and, and, you know, people were doing it to different degrees pre-COVID. Um, but I think that's really, you know, kind of jumped to the front of the line, so to speak, uh, in a, you know, COVID or post-COVID world. And uh, again, rightfully so, right? That's a huge uh, there's a huge, uh, you know, need for building owners and operators and tenants alike to to be able to understand their consumption, their emissions, uh, and and figure out ways to to do better because uh, we all have to do better at the end of the day in terms of reducing our consumption. Well, while we're on on PropTech, right? You did mention that there's so much out there, um, which I totally agree, and I think um, 
it's, it's slightly overwhelming how much information there is out there, but it's also sometimes difficult to know what we should be focusing on versus not. Um, so in your opinion, do you think there is an, an overlooked sector of prop tech that we should be paying more attention to? You know, I, I think what I've said, been saying recently and, you know, hearing on other panels as well and, and you know, other, other conversations and um, discussions is, you know, we have the perspective, my firm has the perspective of operating buildings and servicing our tenants and understanding, you know, what, what we control and where we can make a difference. Um, and I think there's a lot there, there are a lot of products and solutions out there targeted towards firms like mine, owners, operators, managers, and that's great. We, we, need, we, need, we need those tools. Our, our competitors need those tools. What there hasn't, in my mind, been as much of a focus on uh, are solutions for tenants in that energy and sustainability space. And at the end of the day, you know, if we do want to hit targets that we have, you know, for, for sustainability or ESG, again, it needs to be a comprehensive solution. It can't just be one piece of the pie or, or one part of the equation. It has to be the whole thing. Um, and I think the, the sort of the tenant marketplace has been less focused on or, or underserved in, in a way from that standpoint. And I think there's a big opportunity there. Great. Thank you, Michael. So while we're on this, environmental, social, and governance, let's talk about practical ways to implement ESG strategies. So Rudin Management, together with five other commercial real estate investors representing 391 million square feet worth 300 billion in real estate assets under management, aligned with ULI Greenprint net zero carbon operations in a goal to reach net zero carbon emissions by 2050. Um, so can you walk our listeners through what this means in practice and what you're hoping to accomplish with this pledge? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, starting, you know, backwards, you know, what we're hoping to accomplish is, you know, showing the industry and the market that, you know, we care and that, you know, we're going to we're going to really make best strides and efforts and, and do what we can uh, to make a difference uh, in, you know, trying to turn things around, you know, with what's going on with with climate change and and uh, the increase in you know, storms and fires and droughts and, you know, everything that we're seeing on, on what seems like a daily basis now uh, around, you know, not, not just in New York City or not just in the United States, but around the world. And, you know, we understand we have a role to play there and we want to be, you know, we want to be a corporate leader uh, from that standpoint. And we want to, you know, be, you know, sort of show best practices and, and, you know, prove that, you know, it can be done. And, uh, you know, so, you know, what does it mean to implement those things? Um, you know, that's, you know, that could be a whole multi-series podcast in and of itself. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, it's, it's various things. It's, it's constantly, you know, assessing and looking at, you know, what's going on within your portfolio from a, you know, operational and, and maintenance perspective. Um, from a physical perspective, you know, what, what is, you know, uh, we have, we have a, a, an aging portfolio, uh, you know, which has pros and cons. Uh, so we're, you know, we're constantly looking at how our buildings are performing uh, from an energy and, 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 you know, emissions perspective um, and what can be done from a physical uh, and a hardware perspective, but tying into the, you know, the, the last part of the conversation, what can be done from a technological and software perspective as well. We, 10 years ago now, almost 11, uh, I guess, we, we saw a, 
uh, a gap in the market in terms of sort of a, a building operating system. Uh, and, you know, this, this wasn't necessarily what we were looking to do when we started, you know, cert the search, but the outcome was creating a building operating system platform in-house, uh, which we've spun out into, into its own company. And, you know, through that, through that platform, uh, we have reduced our uh, emissions by over 40% over, over a 2005 uh, baseline. But to the point I was making before about, uh, and that, that, that platform is called Prescriptive Data, uh, and, and the operating system is called Nantum, and, and, and we see and can, our building operators can in real time understand what's going on, occupancy, energy consumption, energy demand, uh, water consumption and water demand. You know, it, it uses machine learning and algorithms to understand historical trends and predict, uh, you know, future trends and patterns. Uh, and give our, our operators, you know, real-time insight uh, into, you know, how to operate the buildings, when to ramp machinery and equipment up, when to ramp it down, um, and really, you know, shorten or tighten up the operational day of a building, which is the most effective way to reduce your energy consumption. Well, with that said, Michael, could you, is there a way that the technology that Bruden Management, for example, has been investing in uh, in terms of being able to see all the operating costs of your business in like one platform, is there a way that you could be sharing that information with tenants and educating them and showing them like, hey, if you do X, Y, Z, your costs, right? Because I'm assuming these are tri triple net leases, your costs will decrease. Or is there a way to incentivize them so that you can structure the lease differently so that if they're saving on both sides of the equation, everyone benefits in, in some way? Uh, again, the, sh the short answer is yes. The longer answer is prescriptive data and, and Nantum do have a, a tenant sort of portal um, and a, a platform for the, the corporations who rent space from us uh, to be able to uh, measure and assess and you know look at how they can reduce their consumptions as well. Uh, but there's a policy piece to it too, uh, which is what you know I was starting to mention before which is the onus was put solely on landlords and owners to make the difference. Um, no, I, th I think aligning the incentives, which yeah. is what I meant before when I said super important that it was, you know, half-baked uh, law. Uh, I think aligning the incentives here between all the stakeholders is the key to, to really getting to a better place because, like you said, you, you're only... You are an important piece of the puzzle, but there's no way you on your own can uh, impact uh, an entire industry or entire building if you don't have cooperation from public entities, from the tenants uh, and, and stakeholders around the communities, which, uh, you know, opens up to our next segue, which is uh, talk about New York City and uh, private public partnerships in, in real estate. Uh, so, uh, Michael, like what, you know, what problems do you see in, in New York City and, and in our cities? At large, that are the most urgent to to solve, or, or you know, the most painful in which entrepreneurs can be solving right now. You know, well, there's there's a tie-in with what we've been talking about, which is you know, sort of sustainable real estate and 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 um, you know, creating buildings of the future that are resilient to uh, you know many different you know many different things and working with. Um, you know, the private sector working with the public sector to, uh, you know, to do that. Uh, there's also uh, sort of the financial feasibility and, and availability of all types of real estate, right, both commercial, 
uh, retail, uh, certainly residential, and you know a need for more affordable housing, you know, in New York City and and you know I think in probably most large communities and cities across the country, and you know getting getting the public sector and the private sector to really come together and you know foster these partnerships to to create you know equitable real estate for for everybody. And, uh, you know, it's a lot easier said than done. Um, and, you know, it's happening, but it's, you know, it's, it needs to happen more and, you know, it, it needs to happen faster. Do you want to learn more about emerging businesses in real estate and what role technology is playing within them? We welcome you to check out Real Estate X Technology, a newsletter about modern real estate and the technologies that impact it. The newsletter is authored by AJ Kumar, who has been in the prop tech industry for almost a decade. Common themes covered in the newsletter include profiles of interesting prop tech companies, remote work, and back-to-work strategies. AJ also blogs about the housing industry and the technologies that make it easier to buy, sell, or rent a home. The newsletter highlights global topics and has close to 5,000 subscribers across 25 countries. To get access to the newsletter, please visit www.realestatextechnology.com. I think at the core of, of this all, regardless if you're in New York City or in, in any other uh, community, it's about, I think, also combating our, our short-termism. I mean, we, we, it, it almost feels like we don't, we don't plan for, for the future. We plan for the immediate future, what's going to increase our, our profits, you know, next quarter or what's going to, you know, it, it does. It feels like we don't do big stuff anymore, or, or I guess we do, not as we used to. When it comes to infrastructure, when it comes to big housing projects, uh, and and just providing for the communities. If you, Michael, you had a magic wand right now of the city you live in, uh, what aspect of the city would you choose to fix and improve? Um, that's. That's a that that's that's a complicated question in New York City. I mean, there's you know I think the best way to sum it up, and this this is you know I think kind of cheating a little bit because it's a catch-all, but it's quality of life. And um, you know New York City, you know as we said at the beginning, is doing well, and you know is certainly not what a lot of people said it would be uh, 15 to 18 months ago when, when the pandemic started and, you know, everybody said nobody would ever come back to New York. That being said, we still, we still, yeah, it's, it, that, that was, that was nonsense. As you know, my dad said multiple times, uh, the obituary for New York city has been written many times before and, uh, and we're still here. So, you know, we're, we are still here and the city is thriving in a lot of ways. But there are still a lot of quality of life issues. Uh, you know, crime is obviously, you know. Oh, um, we have a new guest. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, we have sorry. a new guest. Uh, he, he's, he's very passionate he about quality to, uh, of life. Yeah, he wanted to chime in. Um, but you know, there there are many things. I think if uh, that again, that's a pretty pretty big magic wand to wave to fix all of those things. We did um, give you a magic wand. So but yeah, you did give me a magic wand. So that's what I'm that's what I'm using it for is to fix yeah, quality no. of life. And listen, we're you know. I, I don't know when this will air, but you know, w- right now when we're recording it, we're you know we're three weeks uh, or four weeks away uh, from a mayoral election, and you know that will hopefully uh, lead to some positive change in the city. Um, Absolutely. So, staying positive, and also, I mean, New York City. Uh, being New York City, we always have 
uh, high expectations in terms of the quality of life. So yeah, and and listen, you know, against the the my grandfather used to always say, you know, I can't I can't move my buildings, right? I can't pick them up and move them across to New Jersey or to you know to anywhere else in the country. And so at the end of the day, we have to care, you know, about about our city um, and do what we can to you know to make it better as a whole um, because you know we all have to be doing um, well to to thrive absolutely fascinating answer michael uh last but not least uh where can our listeners find you and uh rooting management and rooting ventures and learn more about it you can find us uh, online at our website at rudin.com we've got um you know uh, uh, all of the information about our portfolio uh, our, our root ventures, efforts and activities, some history about the company and, you know, on, on most, but not all social media platforms, uh, not on TikTok you know, yet. We're, we're not on TikTok, Um, <laughs> uh, but we're, uh, you know, we're, we're, listen, we're, we're, we're learning more about, you know, sort of the marketing of our business and, uh, every day and, and growing our, you know, our digital reach and presence. Uh, every day, and that's again something that I've been working on with my sister and some other folks in the company um, to, you know, to to really expand and 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 promote the the Rudin brand and you know uh, promote the great things that we're doing, um, you know, for for the city. Excellent. We will make sure to add those links to the episode below description. Michael Rudin, thank you once again for being here with us today. Super interesting insights into the present and future of commercial real estate, New York City, and what you guys are doing in this uh, new evolution of your business. Uh, fascinating. Thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Eddie. This episode was produced by Edward Cohen and Shami Wiseman. If you like what you heard, please share Tangent with a friend. Special thanks to Sam Shandon and everyone at NYU Shack. Tangent's artwork was designed by Michael Lowy. Thanks for listening to Tangent and remember, collaboration is our superpower as a species, so stay curious and always be learning.